0: I believe science might offer an answer to the curse of the Bambino. Why someone took so long to hire that guy is beyond me. Anybody's not tearing their team down right now and rebuilding it using your model. They're dinosaurs. One of the great things about money is it it buys a lot of things. One of which is the luxury to disregard what baseball likes, doesn't like, what baseball thinks, doesn't (laughs) think. It's a threatening, not just a way of doing business, but in their minds, it's a threatening game.
1: How can you not be romantic about baseball? All right, let's see if we get anybody here. Pretty excited to do an interview today with, uh, yes, not uh, a baseball guy. So this will be the first non-baseball guy here uh, that we get to have at Top Velocity, but really excited. Michael Maudie, five years in the NFL. Um, Amazing story, all the way from Penn State to um, Vikings. Vikings. The Saints. Saints. Is that
0: it? Two years in Minnesota and three in New Orleans. Yeah. Awesome. So Mm -hmm.
1: thanks for coming, man. I appreciate you. Absolutely. Thanks for coming coming. in here, even though you're uh, local in the area Uh, presently, right? Presently, no. (laughs) So good. So I actually grew up looking up his father. His father also played in the NFL, also played at Penn State. So he's got a great legacy. I didn't know your grandfather, but I've always heard about him through your dad's uh, Cancer Foundation. Uh, Maybe you can talk about your grandfather a little bit. That one thing you showed me about that story your grandfather told you was pretty amazing. We can bring that up. But I love your legacy and I love your story. So guys that are listening, this is going to be a big story because um, it's just a, a story of adversity, perseverance, but like to the nth degree. So I really wanted to bring Michael in today to speak to you guys. And ultimately, I want to put this on the podcast too because of this story. And I think in baseball... Because we're so focused on the skill, a lot of the times we don't understand what we're trying to get the body to do. Like, a lot of times we think the skill is more just a mental thing, and we typically ignore the body, right? We think we don't need much of a body to, to do it. It's just that we got to figure it out, right? A lot of the guys get in this mentality in baseball, i just got to figure it out. And they don't understand that it's really no, not much different than the NFL, um, and and that's something we need to bring up too like there's a lot of bad blood between baseball and the nfl like the trainers don't you know completely separate themselves they're just different mentalities to both sides but to me i see the similarities i don't see the differences but that's why i wanted to bring you on i wanted you to kind of help give them a better perspective because it's going to transcend into any sport right i mean don't you think your story and what you've gone through and what you've done the amazing things you've done in your career that same mentality would have made you successful in
0: any other sport no absolutely i think you got to have the fundamentals, uh, really the foundation. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're playing baseball, or you're playing the guitar. It's all about skill development and ongoing skill development, and it's the work ethic and it's the it's the grind. I mean, it's the not it's not the sexy way, but it's the way that every everybody before that's been successful. Regardless, at some point you got to put the work in and you got to do the skill development part of it. So, um, you know, a lot of guys, you know, you. Uh, the talent that you're born with only gets you to a certain point, and then eventually, um, you know, you'll get exposed. Whether it's your body breaking down, or whether you know you got a guy out working you, or you know you're not studying, whatever it is, uh, those things will eventually resurface in another way. And that's you're in a you're in a marketplace where guys are coming up to the job that you have, or or you're trying, to, you know, take food off another guy's plate in, uh, in the professional ranks. But as far as the you know the development, uh, the youth coming up you know prep high school college uh, it's all about the work and the work that you put in and it's there's no overnight success stories in anything in anything it's all about it's like the 10,000 hour rule you got to be doing it day in day out and that ongoing skill development that's what it's about
1: right so i think those are the similarities here and yeah. and, and that's what i want to kind of bridge from what you went through in your career in the nfl to to baseball and i think there's a lot that you can Offer to to baseball, all sports at this point. Um, If you guys are listening, you'll have any questions. We'll try to take some questions. I'm trying to get the uh, YouTube to pop up. It'll eventually come up. Um, I think starting from the beginning, why don't you talk about your prep from high school sport or football to college. Like what was the prep for you to be as successful as you were at Penn State What helps you get there and then become successful there?
0: Well, so again, like I was saying about, you know, your natural abilities, and your natural talents will only get you so far. Um, you know, I always had that work ethic instilled in me that was taught and, uh, and it just eventually became a habit. But once I got into college, uh, I realized that, well, now everybody's as big and as strong as as fast as I am. So what's going to make the difference It's little technique things here or there that I needed to work on and that's just getting those reps to where it becomes to where you're not thinking about those kind of things. But uh, the biggest thing for me was my body was breaking down in ways that, that I really didn't understand. I was tore my first ACL when I was um, my second year at Penn State and I ended up having a red shirt because uh, I didn't as a true freshman. And so, uh, you know, of course I rehabbed that back. Didn't really know the pro- the process of, the, of going through an ACL rehab which is a nine month grind and then um, you know sure enough, I really didn't again understand it. So those uh, inefficiencies or those compensation patterns resurface on my other knee and I tore that ACL and You know whether it's a genetic predisposition, whatever the argument is for why you tear ACLs, but it's not contact and you know there's ways where um, there was some sort of breakdown in the kinetic chain in my body that I was I Had to figure out or address or this was gonna Resurface in again career, in my career. In career Yeah, so th- throughout my career I would have these issues. They'd come up. Like, if, for instance, for me, it was I had one ACL. Two years later, my left one went. And so, okay, we need to address this. Otherwise, I'm going to keep tearing ACLs. Uh, so, you know, then it became about glute activation and do, and doing hip mobility and all those things and uh, getting my body to to be more efficient. And uh, you know, it's all about force absorption, force production. But you got to educate yourself on those things. And everybody's body is different. And so. You know the further you go along in your career the more you have to educate yourself about the different techniques and the because there's experts out there i mean it's not like you know it's 2019 we yeah pick the, up the information phone there now and yeah. pick up the phone and even if you yeah. got a cold call somebody like, hey what do you know about this i'm trying to do this You should be able to get that information. most people are trying yeah. out there trying to help you so um you know that that information is easy to find and uh for me it was all about just watching the guys ahead of me i wanted to be like that guy i would follow that guy around what's he doing? What's he eating? What's he lifting? What's he, you know, what's he watching on tape? Those kind of things because they, you know, there's, they're basically giving you the roadmap. Are you paying attention? Um, A lot of those things are really just there for you if you're paying attention.
1: And so you basically, your point is self-awareness becomes really big getting into college. Um,
0: That's probably going to be at
1: every level. Self-awareness becomes important to get you a better understanding of how am I going to be successful at the next level?
0: yeah and that, it also comes with that, i mean your confidence really it comes with demonstrated validity so as you as you go out and you know as you make plays then you start becoming more confident in yourself but um that's more of like along the lines of performance uh what i think if, as i went through college i be i was forced to become more self aware in my body and and have to no i didn't Wanted to tear two ACL, yeah, but right. I, I, you know, I was forced to learn about it, the process. I wanted to get the best guy, the trainer, rehab, and so. Uh, but fortunately, I was able to, you know, I actually tore ACL again, MCL, but that was a contact thing. That wasn't any. So how else. many
1: surgeries have you had on your knees?
0: So I had my, I tore my right one, 2009, my left one, 2011, and then again, my left again in 2012. Yeah, so three. Um, in a five-year span, which was not uh, fun. not fun. So, nine-month rehab three times in a row. Uh, yeah, that was. In yeah. patch. And, and, oh.
1: and I think the as far as in in baseball, like you were saying, you would follow you would be like, I want to, I'd find the the guy that I want to be as good at or, or compete with, and you'd be like, what is he doing? I think the challenges with baseball is a lot of these these kids say in high school or in college if they did that and they said, oh, I want to be as good as that guy. They start following that guy around and they find out he. He eats bad, and, uh, you know, he was obviously gifted yeah, with an arm. Point. So, it's like, what do you say to those Cause, I mean, because that isn't as common in football, I would say. Do, do you have the guys that are just, they don't do crap and they're
0: unbelievable? Oh, it's, sure, it's common. And, and you might catch them in their, that point in their, that guy's career where he can get away with that. And, and, look, there's guys like, you know, maybe one guy on my, on my hand, like a Chad Johnson who's eating McDonald's at halftime. Like that just so, but weird. how would? You, but you knew that those are the guys not to follow. Right. right. I mean, you, you got to be somewhat like you know, Green Popeye's after. That's a, probably every not they so good. Right. I mean, let look. You, there's some guys that are just that good, and you got to just accept. So, he was born with that ability, and he was blessed. You know?
1: I, we had a, a story. I was in a good story because one of my guys at the time, I don't even want to name his name. He, we, we got him at LSU, or you know, he, he was having a lot of success. Goes to LSU, and that first trip to LSU where kind of some of the players on the team took him around and kind of, you know, got him excited about LSU. He met, um, Kevin Gossman, Kevin Gossman's a pitcher in the, excuse me, in the Orioles right now, really hard thrower. And this guy comes back, one of my guys comes back and he literally went from wanting to work hard every day to, I don't want to work anymore. And I'm like, I I was like, where's this coming from? He's like, well, Kevin Gossman, man, he eats it every once, he takes us all out partying, he buys us all drinks, and he shows up and, and you know, throws upper 90s, and I was like, why has that convinced you that that's a good thing? But it did, it corrupted him, and then yeah. it won a, that kid's career was very short after that. Then I go to LSU, and I go up to coach, I think, Mouton, and I said, tell me about Kevin Gossman, like, I mean, I'm hearing all these bad things about Kevin Gosman. Tell me some of the exceptional things about Kevin Gossman. They said this kid, six feet tall, can stand under a basketball goal, jump straight up, and stick his arm down it until the rim is in his armpit.
0: Okay, so <laughs> I mean,
1: <laughs> there's Kevin
0: Gossman, and then there's everybody else. Right, exactly. You know, but the point is, is that.
1: how do we tell these kids we got to be – we've got to understand who to follow and who not to follow?
0: Well, I think, uh, you know, that's hard for me to say. I don't, I don't know uh, – It depends on, I guess, your definition of of hard work and, and, you know, wherever you want to be, that's the exception. Those guys that can just wake up and roll out of bed and have 12 beers and wake up at 6 a.m. and roll, that's an exception. That's not how 95% of the guys do it. If you look at the NFL rosters, you know, you see the big-name guys in the MLB, I'm sure it's the same. Uh, I can't really speak on that, but, you you know, the bulk of the guys have, have been constantly grinding the long hard way and that's in life that's the same way there is no guys that just wake out of bed wake up out of bed and they're they're the ceo of apple or they're the ceo of this you know these great companies it just doesn't work like that that's not how life works it's all about the consistency and the grind and and it really it's up to you as a as a young kid if you're um, say you're you're trying to find somebody to look up to or just to follow around to be that example uh, you got to filter through those type of things. I mean, you should know what's right, what's wrong, what's healthy. Um, you know, not everything of course, but you know, if you're eating Popeyes every night, that's not the way that your body, you're not going to feed your Porsche with, uh, you know, whatever diesel the, gar- you know, diesel cr- garbage, He's <laughs> right. You're just not going to do your body's a machine. You, you know what the, is right and wrong. Same thing goes with prep and the skill development. You know, you don't warm up for 20 minutes and say, let's go to lunch. I mean, that's not how you get better. I mean, we're trying to get better.
1: So, were there any guys? Obviously, when you there, there was probably some guys in college that. But then you go in the NFL, and there was probably a ton of these guys that you started. You probably were really looking up to. Oh, were they? Was,
0: oh, I, everywhere. I mean, there was, okay. my, my rookie year. There was, um, and, and really, it started at Penn State. I, I watched teach t- teach table guys like Sean Lee, who's you know, all-pro linebacker, Navarro Bowman, all-pro, same thing. Um, Dan Connor was like the all-time leading tackler at Penn State. Those guys. I modeled myself after and my game after, really. Now, I'm not those guys and I understood that, but so I'm gonna do my best impression of those guys while still being myself, because what they do, I know, I know that works. And, you know, a lot of times, at the end of the day, you're trying to be the best you. It's not like you're out there trying to, I'm not trying to be Brent, I'm trying to be me, but to my reach my full potential. That's self-actualization, really. and. You know, And you're this, lying to yourself. Yourself. <laughs> this, this is not a daily it. thing for you, right? right. I mean, it's, it's like it every day
1: you woke up, that was your thing for the day. Is like, how do I better myself?
0: Yeah, in, in some way, form, or fashion, right. uh, you're trying to be the best you possible. Because this career window, it's a short window. I mean, regardless of whether you're playing football baseball, I mean, baseball is a little longer. Maybe I should have played baseball or stuck with it. But... Um, maybe yeah because you played it till what through high school i played it till like ninth grade but oh, i was traveling around the south doing i was a catcher playing tournaments and uh, we went, went to cooperstown we did that no way. Uh, little little league world series That's we got cool. we got smoked up there but um but i had a great little uh you know baseball run but you know i knew if i was trying to be the best that i could be then i wasn't following the guy around who's chalking it up after 20 minutes, or he's, mm-hmm. you know, drinking eight beers a night. Not that anyone's doing that at 13 years old, but. And, and, you know, and
1: this is what it takes. So you were an All-American at Penn State. Um, was it your
0: senior year? My senior year. Um, yeah, I was a U.S. Army All-American coming out of high school, which was the goal that I wanted to reach. I mean, that's a, what high a, school did you go to? I don't know. I went to Mandeville High School. You went to Mandeville high, high School, Mandel- right here. Right here, Mandeville. And like you're younger
1: than me. How old are you right now? I'm 29. He's 29, so. Still, still fresh. But so coming out of
0: Mandeville, you were? Uh... So I was a U.S. Army High School All-American, which, to me, at the time, was a goal I had set for myself, and I was very proud of doing that. Um, but great exposure. And then ended up going to Penn State uh, at my fifth year, was an All-American there. And um, ended up getting drafted for the seventh round of the Minnesota Vikings. And then um, So what spent... was that
1: like, getting drafted? Uh, in In football what is it i mean sure as as exciting as it is in baseball, what was that like? Did they do the same thing like i 'm so ignorant of nfl do they, they you were you high enough for the hedge on t v or now you were
0: no so i well, I, I my grade was like you know second and third round before I had torn my oh, knee shit. again, so the second and last game of my senior year, my knee blew out and uh yeah. well, got shot blocked so um i for a month I was I was done. I hung up my cleats. And I'm like, this is, you know, definition of insanity here. I just keep yeah, on tearing. So, uh, but then I had a good surgeon and I got ended up I called him up and he said, he'll fix me up. So I, I look, you only got this short window. Yeah. I, you got the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. So I was like, this is a, an opportunity. I know I'll regret If I don't maximize right now. So I, I emptied the tank, try to get uh, my prep for the combine. And then, um, but the draft day, there's nothing like it. Yeah. I mean, you, you work your whole life to to have that opportunity, and for me, it, it didn't matter whether what round. It was me proving to myself that you could play that. Long. I could, because I always knew I could play. I just my yeah. body was, you know, breaking down on me. It's just um, what a what a. I was blessed to have that opportunity. I really was, but
1: but you didn't give up. You're blessed, but you didn't give up. <laughs> no, I don't give up. That's not in my DNA. Because your stories get so much more amazing. We're gonna get more into it. Finish that day? What was that day like?
0: So, well, for the, the previous three weeks, I would say I was talking with the Steelers and I'd spoken with a couple of other teams and, and usually the way that it works now, there's a lot of crazy draft day stories. You know, mine wasn't all that crazy, but I'm, the Steelers have been telling me for two weeks, we're going to take you in the fifth round. We're going to take you in the fifth. We're going to take you in the fifth. So even that morning, of the, you know, I knew I was going to be the third day of the draft, fourth through seventh round or whatever it was. And Fifth round comes, sure enough, no Michael Motty. So sixth round comes, no Michael Motty. So I take a walk. I got 50 Dude, people how, in my house, my whole family. That? So I like, mean, I'm, I'm out of here. Spiking beer. <laughs> I'm like, I'm out of here, man. I'm taking a walk. <laughs> so I'm down the street and I get a call from. You know, you get you, you, your phone's ringing. So anytime the phone rings, everyone's looking at you, yeah, and then the your call, heart yeah. sinks. Or yeah. um, so I get a call from Green Bay. I'm like, oh Green Bay, here we go. Hey, this is linebacker coach. Just, just see how you're doing. I'm like, you're just seeing how I'm doing. You're doing like yeah. What? Every time the what? phone
1: rings, I'm have right. right. So you
0: know, I hang up the phone with him, and I'm still walking. I'm even more hot now. And so then, uh, the next number was a Minneapolis number. It was um, Mike Singletary. I'm like, oh, Mike Singletary. Okay, That's we're talking Hall of Fame cool. linebacker. Yeah, right. That's awesome. And uh, so he said, Hey, Mike, you know, we're coming up again in the seventh. We're gonna, we're we we're gonna take you here. And at this point, I'm. I'm probably 500 yards from my house, so I'm sprinting back to my house. Yeah. Oh, okay, Mike. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, there's a, probably 10 people on my porch. Kurt Hester was one of, of them. He was at the, the house, house, and he's got both ends. He's like, "Let's go!" <laughs> <laughs> and so my whole house just starts rocking. That's and, crazy. And from there, uh, I think my somebody turned on the Minnesota Vikings, <laughs> uh, the fight song, and and so we were drinking expensive scotch out of red solo cups that night. It was a great time. That's awesome.
1: Unbelievable. Yeah, and some you'll never forget. Right, right. And, and then you play five seasons. Like, so how do you get through five seasons in the NFL? Like, is that
0: possible? After three knee surgeries? Shoot. After my first one, I thought, I don't know how anybody plays longer than five years, longer than three years. I, it was so exhausting. It was so taxing. Um, because every day you don't know really when to turn it on and off. As a rookie, um, I couldn't walk into our meeting room without everyone's coffee orders. It was like, "Hey, what's your name? I'm Michael. Shut <laughs> up and sit down. Go get me coffee and make sure there's three sugars in it." Are you and, serious? Yeah, you know, I had to have everyone. And that's oh, how my, my God. You know It's a little bit better now, but you know, then there were still oh, they were hating you. Yeah, know, you don't talk, and so yeah. that was an adjustment for me. I, you know, I was coming in from where in college, everyone's your boys. These right? the guys are rich all day, and, <laughs> and they're just treating you like. And crap. now it's like here I'm, I'm on an island, basically, and it's a job. And guys have kids at home, and you know, nobody's hanging out and just to hang out. You know, it's not like that. So uh, that was an adjustment, but um, had had a great. And on top of that, we were. I looked up halfway through the season. we were three and eight. I knew the coaches were getting fired, so it was a you know kind of a baptism by fire, my rookie season. Um, but that uh, really was then that I, I met some good bodywork people that I started following around. Chad Greenway, who was a, who at that time was a 10-year linebacker. He was, uh, you know, all-American. Wow. At, uh, he was first-round pick you at definitely Iowa. Do what he's doing, right? I'm like whatever <laughs> Chad's doing, I'm doing everything. So he really taught me, uh, and just an unbelievable human being. But he taught me how to be a pro, and and for two years I got to spend with, which I'm very fortunate for. And you know, the, by the time I got down to New Orleans. I really felt like, okay, you know, I, I had to figure it figured out. It took me two years pretty much to, to kind of figure it out. Now, that process is, you know, quicker or slower for different guys. That was just kind of my process and how long it took me. But by the time I got down here to New Orleans, you know, I felt like I was. So I was what what was it like
1: coming home to New Orleans and playing here? I mean, your dad played Your dad played for the New Orleans and who else?
0: He played seven with New Orleans and then his last year was with uh, the Redskins. I remember 84. that. Yeah. So, so what was it like coming into New Orleans? So, I uh, actually, I pretty much knew I was going to get released from Minnesota at the time. They had brought in Anthony Barr, first-round linebacker, then Kendrick's second round, who had just won the buckets. These guys were going to play. So, I was kind of looking around the room, you know, two weeks into camp. I'm like, I I ain't going to make it, you know. Um, But I ended up a fourth preseason game in Minnesota. Uh, I remember we were down in in Nashville. We were playing the Titans, and I I had, like, ten tackles, and I blocked a punt. So, I'm like... Maybe I might have saved myself here, and right. you know, linebacker coach, oh, you're good, you're good. You know, you, I think you, you got it. Sure enough, it, the cutoff's at 3 p.m. and it's 2:50. Like, phone rings. Mike, bring your playbook. I'm like, okay. So you got to wait a day to go on the waiver wire uh, till 12 noon the following day, which uh, was a Sunday. So I'm in the facility at, in Minnesota at like 11:30. They want me to sign on the practice squad, and I'm like, thanks, but no thanks uh i'm gonna wait till noon i got 30 minutes so i'm i'm in i go to wendy's I'm, I'm eating i'm slamming double cheeseburgers just like stressing out and all of a sudden i get a phone call from It's a 504 number i was like 504 oh, let's go he said hey mike we just claimed you no way like, Dude,
1: awesome you were probably so, so far it was
0: like uh like it was 11:55. so he said hey can you uh can you be on a flight at two no way. I was like, so I'm doing 100 down in the highway. I'm like, I pack a bag, and I left. I left everything. And I'm, So five days later, I'm in Arizona playing the Cardinals with wow. the Saints uniform. <laughs> that was surreal, huh? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And it was a unique experience for me, too, because, you know, Minnesota, you transitioning into the pro ball was we lose a game. You're like, you know, you're pissed, and then you're like, okay, next game. There's no real, like – you know, I wasn't hot, you know, like I normally would, you know, like what I would felt in college or whatever. But I got to New Orleans and being a, you know, grown up watching the Saints and my dad playing, you know, the Saints were my team. Or at least the, the team I idolized. And so we lost we lost week one in Arizona and I was pissed. I mean, I was hot. And then, but I, that feeling of that was like, oh, this feels good. You know, like I, I was passionate about waking up in the morning. And like So it's just such a unique experience that i woke up every day I, I loved what i was doing i was living my dream growing up i mean this is what i the superdome was where I visualized playing for amazing. my whole life so it was just an unbelievable and you had good experience. relationship
1: you probably still have good relationships with the team huh?
0: absolutely yeah and then i ended up my second year in new orleans i was a captain special teams captain and um man unbelievable experience it was uh, so blessed to have that opportunity but yeah, i enjoyed every day
1: that's amazing so l- personal stuff right going more into his other injuries which really is going to show the adversity and the resilience and the will of of Michael is he started having colon problems so this started at Penn State right
0: yeah that was my my first uh, bout with it that's when I first heard the term what is uh, ulcerative colitis I said what is that so uh,
1: if anyone doesn't know so you have your small intestines Coming out of your stomach. What's that, like twenty five feet or something? Yeah. Okay. And then I looked up I think it's three to five feet is the large intestines. And it goes from the small intestines all the way around. And it basically exits out. And that's really where your body um reabsorbs water from your bowels, absorbs electrolytes, it clumps your your waist up to to help it be a normal thing going to the bathroom, right? So his starts due to this I mean you could call it a disease who knows how it happened if it's in if it's a DNA if it's just the stress you put your body through the training who knows how it happened it was probably a combination of everything
0: probably a lot of everything and and then he
1: starts having major major problems while he's first at Penn State right
0: yeah it was a summer going into my senior year and it's the first time I had um, you know for this type of situation like there's I saw blood in my stool so I'm like whoa, panic. The first time you see that, that wake yeah, you up. Like, this ain't right. <laughs> so that scared the you-know-what out of yeah, me, literally, yeah, you know, literally. No pun intended. But, uh, so, so I go to see the doc. They give me some meds, and I'm good in a couple weeks. And I kind of didn't really think about it after that. And then uh, – Now that we're looking back, do you wish you would have done something
1: different going into this?
0: I mean, there's no way I, that I could go because – just because just I – Yeah, look, if I – could have gone back sure i would have never had another flare up with that again cuz i know better and i know what to eat and okay. how to eat and so, everything else so
1: what we're saying is you when this problem started happening you not really knowing what was going on would it would have helped
0: oh yeah absolutely yeah. cuz i knew nothing about it i don't know how to treat it i don't even know what it is right. i could even spell it i could have spelled so, it worse. but we're telling
1: people that maybe have an issue like this that if you get those signs you need to start learning about your body right
0: yeah and that goes back to You know it doesn't matter what you if even if you're healthy and you're just trying to play you got to know your body and be aware of what's going on and what you're doing especially on the inside of your body which is the most important part that's your second brain your gut that's your whole immune system so and that and that includes everything that you're putting into your body which Back when I was uh, 21, 22, you know, I was eating cheesesteaks and buffalo chicken sandwiches, and it didn't—I like didn't. Boatloads really
1: of protein,
0: and just <laughs> everything, and bowls of pasta, and yeah. just gluten. and just—all these inflammatory foods that I didn't even really—I'm just thinking I need calories. I didn't care where they came from, but um, it wasn't—you know. Then the next year, I had another flare-up, and that was because I was taking Advil, not even really realizing it. Yeah, that's and a big
1: thing. Even with, with baseball players, I tell you guys to look for alternate forms of anti-inflammatories because there's a lot of studies, bad studies, coming out on anti-inflammatories. Like, I even believe it will lead to cancer eventually over time. Like, you, you really need to be careful with it. It does, the anti-inflammatories can destroy your bowels.
0: Yeah, and I don't know the studies on yep. if it can lead but to I cancer. But I mean, something over time. It's not, not going to happen one time. It's like if you do this for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the point is, is that's not that's a that's a bandaid. It's not yeah. a, it's not something you treat. And it could
1: have more side effects than when it's worse. Yeah, that
0: you're not getting to the source of the problem. It's just kind of calming it down. Um, it doesn't put the flame out necessarily, but. Those types of things, and I was taking Celebrex and Ibuprofen 800 at a time on an empty stomach, not thinking or knowing, because I just didn't know any better. I was yeah. just, this is what they told me to take, and I'm going to take it. Right. So it's all about educating yourself and be saying, wait a second, just because this guy is a doctor or this is because this guy's a trainer doesn't mean I just take his, you know, blindly trust everything that you see. It's trust, but verify. Read to yourself so you know, because... You know at some point it's your body it's you it's this bed. is all you got I mean, <laughs> yeah, right, dude. at some point, all those people are be gone in you yeah know, right. five, ten, fifteen years, hopefully you play that long and then you're it's just you so so you start getting these flare ups at Penn State like pretty early on at Penn State it, no it was my so you last, never got them in high school no, wow. no uh it was until my senior year I, I started having that and then uh, which was and what were your symptoms Is blood anything else like discomfort? yeah, I mean I was cramming it, yeah, sure it hurt. I mean, it was free, high frequency, but I didn't, I, I mean, looking back, it was stress, diet, you know, alcohol, I mean, I, I you wouldn't know. think, and then you're genetically predisposed. And then once you add those triggers, then of course, yeah. you know, we know what happens. And you don't, I didn't understand what the triggers even were. Again, I didn't even know what I had. So how was it what I had, I don't even know. Um, so again, the, the following year, my rookie season came up again. So, of course, I see another GI doctor taking some drugs again. Then I got a kind of a little bit of a regimen, um, learned a little bit about it. But I had it under control. My third, uh, well, my second NFL season, um, the drugs I've realized are starting to work a little bit less effectively. And, and then, it's more than likely because your stress is going up even higher. Yeah, and yeah. It's, oh, it was every August. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm starting to see some trends yeah. here. It's like... Um, these are high-stress times. Yeah. I'm fighting for a yeah. job. I don't know if I'm gonna get cut the right. next day. And right. I'm looking around the room Plus, every day. You had large men trying to take your head off. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm, look, you're in an alpha male environment. Every day, you don't know. If it, you know, you're He's gonna, gonna, fight, gonna have to you. fight somebody, or you're gonna have to somebody to right. steal your lunch. You know, it's a little. That's a little dramatic because I was a nice guy. Yeah, but, right. you know, Everybody knew I worked my butt off, and and I was, you know, had respect for people, but. Uh, yeah, that's the stress is real. I mean, I, and I was always the. What the I mean, and to morning, the point is like even me running this business,
1: I deal with a lot of stress. I mean, so you can imagine at an NFL level, of course, I think everyone's going through it. And the ones that it doesn't bother, they're just cold blooded. Those are. I agree. Those I've, are
0: sociopaths. And again, so I, I started to realize that, and I would yeah. watch those guys, and, and I'm like, like, why are we different? Than yeah, and I was say like there's a, there's a few guys in particular. One is a good friend of mine. I played a long time with, and and i would watch him and like how does that not affect him mentally at all and so i would actually try to do that to myself like again what yeah. you, you're trying to you know fix it and be the best you and stress management was a huge part of what i needed so i was actively seeking out those kind of people who were just easygoing didn't bother, bother anybody but but, you,
1: but at the end of the day you start realizing
0: yeah you can <laughs> curb
1: your 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 issues you can curb your reaction but a lot of
0: those guys just have dna you don't have right it's, yeah, you're only going to go so far with it. no doubt no doubt so it was all about for me then uh, just having a better understanding of myself and what i was putting into my body and then managing uh, those environmental uh, nutritional triggers or variables that could lead to more inflammation so i was just that's when i started learning about it um, but but you could was it now looking back it was that thing that you could see it was just building oh for sure yeah i mean there was there's things i was doing that you know, exacerbated my condition. Just but you just didn't know. I didn't, didn't even. Know. Either I didn't know or I, was, I would just say, that's eh, not a big deal. So I, I really didn't own the fact that this was what was going on in my body. Because I didn't want to come to terms with the fact that I had a disease. You, know, you meet with these doctors, like, well, you have this uh, autoimmune disease. Yeah, right. And I'm like, no, I don't. I'm a professional athlete. I don't have a disease. Yeah. Like, I'm a healthy human being well you know? i'm still not convinced it is a disease i'm not convinced it's yeah happening. and again we could it's just triggered. it's uh yeah. let's just call it an autoimmune response or yeah. whatever is whatever yeah i don't which, know which if a, even that's the right term right. but you know because we're
1: all dealing with bad food today it's hard to get good quality food
0: it's extremely difficult yeah.
1: so extremely i difficult. mean the point is you might never experience that 50 years ago
0: you know because Mm-mm.
1: it's just the environment we all live in a lot of people are having these problems today and i think that's why you telling your story, it's inspirational. There's probably people that are me listening to this or watching this that are going, man, I have the same symptoms as them, you know, I'm blood's coming out of me and, and you know, when I get nervous, I, I feel all this abdominal pain and, and they might be going through some of the stuff. You know?
0: Yeah, that or, you know, you know or any the wrong number food. of things, right? right. I mean, like, it just, if anything, it just gets you aware of what's your environment is and what your stress levels are, what you're putting into mm-hmm. your body and then how are you managing those things in, in your lifestyle just just a little self-analysis a little bit each day kind of that for me was went the longest way and then um you know it wasn't until i got down to new orleans and started learning about i actually was again blessed. i had a great um gi doctor that i met with and got to know very well um over the course of working together but she she we, we would sit for an hour now not every doctor has this kind of time but um she, you know, she, which is why she was special but she taught me about what it is what the what the what's going on in my body I mean I had she literally broke it down this is how we treat it this is an option a this is option B C this is the levels of of potency for these types of drugs we can go up you know the ladder as the severity increases or whatever Um, but you have gone back and done a
1: chemical approach or would you have done a, a more holistic approach at this point
0: Oh, I would have gone holistic, yeah, well, um, functional, for, I totally without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, and there's no doubt in my mind. I, now, at the time, I didn't have time for that
1: because yeah, you I, didn't know. I, I didn't, you a, didn't know what
0: was a better option. I didn't, and I also knew that I, I wouldn't. I, I wasn't ready to have that kind of discipline because that takes a certain—not a certain—it takes a very high level of discipline to be able to do that consistently, and and I just didn't take it seriously enough. Again, because yeah. I didn't want to come to terms and admit the fact that I had this disease, so I was like, I'm going to live my life. And then that, you know, sure, there was weeks that was great, and then sure enough, they would come back and reset. So talk about when
1: it got the worst.
0: Whew. Um, I mean,
1: the you were worst, just showing
0: me pictures of how much weight <laughs> you got. The worst was, uh, so I was, this was actually 2016. I was just gotten to a point where I was finally remission after, like, a year, and i got gotten off all this, I was on steroids and which make you feel like crap, and the, and um, uh, a lot of host of other negative side effects. But I've gotten off everything, and then I ended up getting um, I ended up getting C diff, which is something I it's thought a bacterial only home. bacterial thing that only you know uh, elderly, elderly people, people in, in the hospital home, yeah. get. And so again, I'm like, you got to be kidding me! Uh, and I just didn't want to come to terms with that. But I was I remember I was speaking at a at a uh, elementary school in Baton Rouge, and I was driving through the um what do you call it the the chat fly basin Mm -hmm. is that it Mm -hmm. um i should know that but and i i mean i didn't make it a couple times i mean a few times and i was like something is not right and i got and i had been up all night every hour going just running and so i call up my dog after the school visit i barely made it through that and ironically was for these dairy farmers of america i'm pushing milk on these kids and I can't even drink milk at at the time because milk would have been the worst thing I could ever touch but so I I get back to New Orleans I barely made it back to New Orleans and uh I called my doc I said can I just get an IV or two like maybe because I'm fried." and she's like what's going on tell me that's her first question how many times have you been in the last 24 hours I'm like 24 she was like what what why didn't didn't you call me five days ago Of course, I'm always thinking, I'll get better, I'll get better. Yeah. So I was always you know, a week late to call her, but um, thinking I would just tough it out, which was not the right approach. But So she ended up saying, hey, listen, um, you need to get in here. We're going to admit you. And I was like, no. <laughs> just give me an IV. I'll be fine. And she, but I, at that point, I trusted her uh, enough to be like, okay, you're right. I'm coming in. So I get in on a Friday afternoon. I'm there for till Sunday, the next Sunday, not, not two days later, but a week, seven days later, or that makes it eight, but, uh, or nine, I'm, I'm not a math expert, but, um, so they, you know, throughout that week, they're uh, one of the most miserable weeks of my life, but um, they wanted to take, do the surgery then, take my whole colon out then, and I, I told the surgeons, this conversation's over, get out of my room. I mean, this is contract year for me and, and, and
1: just to taking out the colon guys is something where I didn't even think you could do that. It, Obviously he's learned how you can be perfectly fine with it, but that's, that's a
0: major, major, major surgery major. to root, re- to remove that large intestine. Yeah. It's, it's a medieval approach in yeah. my opinion, but, uh, when you take the, you take ulcerative colitis, right? Ulcers and then colitis, the root word colon Itis is like, was Latin for inflammation, so it's just inflammation strictly in your colon. And ulcer, ulcers. And are, ulcers.
1: Wounds opening. Yeah, basically you have w- open wounds. Which in is you. probably how you got the bacteria because it probably opened up and, and then the, right. the, and the so, waste went into your body. You know,
0: imagine any, anything that's going past through with all that excruciating and excruciating. You know, everything else. So um, I still wasn't ready to accept a surgery option because to, that meant football over. Because once you have that, you know, it's... Yeah, how can you survive? A- and it was a contract year. So I'm like, yeah. this is my opportunity to to make some, some big money. And I was, I was not willing to accept that. So I said, Doc, reach into that tool bag. Give me some potent, some more potent drugs. What else you got in the bag? Um, let's take it up a notch. Get me through the season. Wow. And uh, so we did, went the infusion route, like the immunomodulator. Um, you know, so you're sitting there to slow drip for six hours every six weeks, and, which was... Crazy. Again, not an experience I would like to yeah. relive, but um, so that got me healthy enough to be on the field in, um, in that August 2016. And then I remember in training camp, we were at the Greenbrier, and I saw I saw blood for the first time again. And I'm like, it's going to be a long God. year. And so I, I walked into that training camp at 238. And by week eight, I was 195 pounds. <laughs> we were at San Francisco. That's planned. planned. I'm looking in a mirror and I'm like, where what did I go? On? I was 195 pounds trying to play linebacker and run down a special team. I, I was gassed. I, Dude, I'd have had a heart attack. I don't know how you went through that. Man. Yeah. <laughs> for, for three, really, I should I have, looking back, should have shut it down about a month earlier. I, I mean, yeah. I was waking up. Uh, at, I would be up thir- every 30 minutes. I'd wake up, eat like a hard boiled egg, and I'd go to the doctor, like four IV bags, and I wouldn't even go out for warm-ups. I would just run on the field. I was like, I gotta go. And ironically, I was playing my best football in my career, which is well, because you were fearless at that was, point. At that point, I didn't care. I'm, like, I'm out here trying to eat, but and I couldn't even eat because the food caused me so much pain. By the time I got off the field into the the dinner, I was like, I take one bite and I have to sprint. And I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm not even gonna eat. And so it was just a mess. Um, I'm, I'm getting I'm, nauseous just. <laughs> yeah, it was. A, dude, I mean, a time I like to revisit? I know, jeez. But geez. But, um, but no, I finally got in the doctor's office. I called uh, head coach. I'm like, coach, I need to like, take like a week or two off. You know, like let me. I need to get my, figure this thing out with my body. Looking back, that's completely naive thing for me to say. But so I went and got a scope, and then uh, I remember waking up to the scope. Uh, you know, you come off the drugs or whatever, and then I, my doc was holding a picture of my, of the little snapshots of my colon, and she was like, "You're done." She's like, "I don't even know how you've been functioning, let alone playing in the NFL." First of all, but she like, was like, you're, you're done. Out. You're done. Like we don't have anything in the tool bag to fix this with pharmaceutically. So I was like, "Yeah, you're." I mean, I knew it at that point. I was a bag of bones, and you know, mentally. um it was you know mentally was equally if not more difficult than the physical part you know imagine an alpha male environment every day where uh, i couldn't even make it to work i mean i was literally for two weeks straight i was, I was sitting at red lights just yeah you know, and it, so that's a time again i would have
1: been passing out every day
0: yeah i mean it just was um, i was doing on adrenaline for a long time so and again adre- crazy, adrenal man. fatigue i was yeah um I'm, when i finally stopped At week eight, I mean, I slept for like three days. I couldn't get, I couldn't move once I finally got off the ride, but, so they ended up, agreed to do the surgery. They took the, it was a three-phase type of surgery. I don't know if you want to get into that, but.
1: Well, let's see if I can get it. Took the large intestine out, so you had to go to a colonoscopy bag, and you told me, like, I would have done it too,
0: right as you saw it, you passed out. Mm Mm-hmm. I woke up from that first one. I woke up. I looked down. I had some intestine hanging out, and then my eyes rolled back, and I was like, "This is the most disgusting thing I've ever seen." I couldn't even believe it was in my body. I was like, "What is going on?" So, I and then they, right they do that because then they they go in and build a pouch. So they basically
1: build a replacement.
0: Yeah. So the first, they sometimes they do it in two stages. For my case, it was three because I was uh, my immune system was compromised from the. Um, Killing yourself from the, the football and all that. well, and the, all the, the drips. Yeah. The drips I was doing, so they space that out so that impedes your body's ability to heal, right? If your immune system is only at 60 percent, um, so that they did the first one, closed me up. Second one, they go back through two months later, and they build the, they take some of your small intestine, will build the new pouch like a storage system, which will act as your colon now, and then they seal you back up. They come back three months later, and then. They basically pinch this top part off, and then they open up the pipes again like normal. And, uh, and that, that takes a while to get used that to. That right? take, yeah, that takes a while to get used to. Not not only that, it was that was in April of uh, of 17, so two years ago, about exactly. And I had I was trying to make it back to training camp, so I had like maybe 14 weeks to get to get healed up and get prepared and put on 20 pounds and go play in the NFL, which no one had ever done before. So you did? And I did. So. so how long did you play with the, uh, the pouch? No, so um, – You didn't play. You played. No, I didn't yeah, play. It. I couldn't that. have played okay, with, yeah, the with the pouch. There, at all. Yeah, yeah. there was a kicker that did that back in the 70s, oh, I think. Oh, a kicker could probably do that. Yeah, it. a kicker could do away with you tell me,
1: it. a baseball players, you yeah. were saying the guy for the Rangers?
0: No, there was a guy for – oh, yeah, uh, Jake Diekman. Okay. He was uh, – I think he was in the farm system. I don't know if – But he, he played worked. with the pouch? No, he had the same uh, exact Surgery and then
1: his career was over.
0: Well, no, he came back. I don't know where he's at today. Now so he's, he's playing with that or he did. No. So it? I got, to, let me clear it up. So they basically well, that intestine thing that I was talking about that hangs out. They basically close that part up and that you have no more bag. So the bag part is only for six months. Just while the internals yeah, heal yeah. and then, um, then you're basically you're sealed up and you're back looking, I guess normal. when I said the pouch, they build a colon for
1: you. Right. Yeah,
0: yeah, but that's, that's out not of your own tissue. Right. It's not like so that. You, did you play with that? Well, that's what it's in me now. That's I know, it.
1: but did you play when you were in that point? Did yeah. you go back to play at that point?
0: Yeah, no, I did. That's okay. that, For how many years? I mean, for how many? Um, for one uh, season? Or? For one season, yeah. Wow. Which, at that point, uh, you know, I really felt like I had a second win in my career. Again, it was all about, for me, um, just... Just, I was curious about how my body was going to react now, Am my absorbing nutrients, and my how is my abdomen now. My, I mean, when I first started running again, I was slow, and I'm like, I got to relearn the biomechanics. Well, they cut everything. They cut well, they sliced me over here. A lot
1: of that muscle is part well, of that is, stability.
0: I mean, your speed, your forward body lean while you're yeah. running, you got to keep. This is all low. So they abdomen. cut his
1: ab, right across,
0: right? Right, right on my belt line, two different right. times.
1: So that. that so i've been sewing that back the atrophy there that's probably why you couldn't even lift your thighs up at that point
0: right and i couldn't and not only that i had a a whole new diet program i had to figure out who has ever worked with somebody that doesn't have a colon i can't i gotta put on weight and i i can't just go to your everyday nutritionist i gotta somebody who knows the the uh anatomy of what my new system is looking like so uh everybody has their Chiropractor, there or orthopedic guys—they could call. And I had a rolodex at this point already in my career. But now I had to build a new team of people that, whether it's internal medicine, nutritionists, but experts in this field that can now put me back in a position to be get on the field. And and once I did that, and again, no one's ever done that before. Uh, I really had nothing left to prove from a, um, from a professional standpoint. Now I. I I felt like after that season I came back and played, had a great year. Um, you know, physically I could have played another year and could have played. But, I, again, I had nothing left to prove, and I was, uh, you know, I had overcome. That was the biggest obstacle in my career ever. That's so, I'm mean, very proud of that.
1: Right, and that's why I wanted to hear your story and, and put it out there in, in baseball because, like, I mean, there's there, we're probably going to find questions of right now when we look at the questions of guys that are, you know, just asking simple things of of adversity, or or simple things of training, and you're showing to get not only where you got in your career, but to be at the top of it and be going through the, the the challenge that the major challenge you went through. You had to be like so aware and so involved in every aspect of your life to build yourself to an elite level. That I hope that penetrates a lot of these young kids. Going, hey, if I really want to live the dream and be the top level and do it with the body I have, um, it's going to take way more than I probably think I know. Right. And I think a lot of kids right. don't check themselves and go, I probably don't know half of what I need to know to get where
0: I want to be. And it's, in most cases, even less than that. Less, less than Right. Half. half is probably generous. Right? And that's, <laughs> yeah. there's only one more, one person more dangerous than somebody who doesn't know, somebody <laughs> who thinks they know better. But that's, again... It's like looking at an iceberg, you only see the top 20%, but underneath the surface of the water, that's where the work's at. That, you see the rest of the iceberg underneath the surface, and that's like you know, the most successful people. Again, like we were talking about in the beginning, you don't see those hours and late nights in the gym. You don't see those, I mean, Googling 2, 3 a.m. on researching different types of things going on with your body or whatever, or, or studying tape, or studying uh, mechanics or fundamentals. Um, those are the types of things that makes the great people and the great athletes great, and the great careers great. So a lot of those that work you don't see on the surface.
1: I'm trying to see what – there's a question here for you. At what age did it click for you that you needed to self-motivate and it, quit, and it quit coming from parents and coaches? I think that's a great question. That is a great question. Good question, Jeremy. So basically, you know, a lot of parents out there are trying to – serve the, their kid with the information, at what point did you not need your – I mean, your dad's a great, great – I mean, y'all don't know his dad. His dad is like an exceptional human being who, who – his career is just as
0: phenomenal. Right? It is. It, <laughs> it really is. is. I mean, I'm speaking non-biasedly here as much as right. I can, but he grinded. He was the 53rd guy on every roster yeah. every, every year. Well, so. that was all
1: I heard of your dad is how, like, he was – he was just like the, the, the comeback kid or come from behind. Like he was the one who surprised you all the time, you know? Well, I think at the NFL, I think when he was at Penn state, he was just a stud. Wasn't he an all American in lacrosse at Penn state? Yeah, he was two He was better at lacrosse.
0: Yeah, that's The only (laughs) reason why he went to Penn state is paternal let him play lacrosse and football. So, um, but But, but when did it get to a point where you, you
1: went, you went past your dad, you were like, all right, now I'm motivated to, to do this.
0: Um, that's a tough question because I think every kid is different, and I think just like if you're a teacher, you're, a teacher you're not going to treat every single kid differently based on their temperament, based on their personality. You've got to be creative and find different ways to motivate them. But for me, I don't have any kids, so it's hard for me to, to speak on that. But for, for me, I feel like um, if you're going to play a sport and if my kid is playing a sport, it's not because I'm making you. If you're going to do something, this is how you're going to do it. So you're in the door. And if the, you got to understand this is the way that this is how you work and, and this is what you sign up for. It's not like you you got one foot in and one foot out. You don't dip your toe in the water. If we're in this thing, we're doing it, and that's the way. And then, you you know, you show them the work ethic and all those things that, that it takes. But um, it's got to be organic on some level because ultimately that will lead to down the road, you're talking about resentment and those things. And I've seen guys get burned out in baseball, especially at a young age around here, with guys that are playing year-round. They're not they're just specializing in one particular much, thing. Yeah. They're pitch counting when they're 10 years old. Uh-huh. And it's like, go climb trees and go throw Be the football. Athlete. Be an athlete and do yeah. other things because that ultimately will make you more re- well-rounded at whatever you're trying to do. And, yeah, but I mean, I, that's something I,
1: I really want baseball players to understand. Like don't let yourself get too caught up into the technicalities of the sport before you really know yourself before you really learn how the body works how you can improve your own anatomy learn that before you get obsessed at the the, the statistical analysis and all the things in the skill of baseball that can just completely you know distract you don't you think well
0: it- Look, and when I was 13, I, I had a whole different body. By the time I was 15, right. so you're talking about a whole different fundamentals. And those things are constantly changing and evolving, and getting more efficient as you grow into your body. So that's why I don't agree with the, the specialization at a young age. I think that's why you got to do everything. And your body's still, you know, neuromuscular is trying to figure out its bearings. You know, you're like a Labrador with big paws. You got to grow into them and figure out, figure out your body. So. Um, yeah I'm with you on that for sure
1: i am looking for questions here which most of them are just going to be dudes wanting their questions answered so we're gonna to have to see if there's any outside of that see it's going to be a lot of baseball questions
0: a lot of
1: waves. let's see if I don't know if anybody yep, someone in spanish so um yeah. got diagnosed as u c l tear what would you rec- recommend on my way uh that's um I don't know Baseball stuff. Yeah, I'll, I can answer man. them baseball stuff later. Hey, Brent, do you suggest working for him, as, as do I get earlier? Five? Um, I think that's it. I, I'm, so, any, any last words you want to say? I, like you said I, I think this is probably a story I'll send guys to when because I, I get it all the time. I get the kid going. Why am I not where I want to be? You know, I'm 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 doing the throws. I'm 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 uh, I'm watching the game. Why am I not where I want to be? And a lot of those guys, I want to be like. Do you understand the mountain you're trying to climb right now? Do you understand how different you're gonna be when you're at the top? Do you understand where you're going? Like do you know what, do you know what you have to do to your body to get where you wanna be? And have you even attempted? Like and so that's why I'm probably gonna lead them to your story and be like, look what Michael went
0: through to live his dream. Yeah, and there's no limit. There's right. no there's no cap on how hard you can work or how long you can work. Now granted there's no sense in sitting in a gym, you know. Berlin for six hours. Obviously, we're, you, know, you want to be involved in purpose and yeah. more efficiently work. But um, again, you, you're trying to do the best you can with what you got with where you are in your process, in your career. And that always kept me mindful And the day-to-day, just do the best I can to do. How am I going to get better today? Next week is not here yet. I'm not spending any energy on next week. I'm not spending any energy on last week. This is where I'm at. Let's get better and that's that helped me. So, that makes, which
1: someone just asked, what's your Instagram or Twitter?
0: Um, I'm just trying to get into my Instagram going, but my Instagram is Mott under. Well, you could probably just Google or uh, search Michael Motti, but M A U T underscore Z I L L A. That's Motzilla. Oh. That's what they call it's it? old gamer tag. Like <laughs> old call of Duty days, like when I was 18, it just kind of <laughs> stuck. So, I'm going with it for and now. Twitter. Uh, Twitter is the same thing. I think Twitter is uh, Michael underscore Maudie, M-A-U-T-I. So, check and, it out. Uh,
1: played at Penn State. We said the Vikings, Saints. Um, Your, I, I don't, I don't. I, what can we say about the things that you're coming out with? I got a lot of iron,
0: irons in the we, fire. You
1: don't want to say them right well, now.
0: Well, look, I'm, I'm, I'm working on a, uh, working on a documentary with uh, from some of the things that happened while I was at Penn State. Some of you guys may have. Uh, heard about the or, or remember the the NCAA sanctions stemming from the Jerry Sandusky this this child abuse scandal. I was you know, I had nothing to do with that. I was obviously a kid when those things were going on or um uh, but we had we got sanctioned for those things while I was at school I was a captain on that team and, and basically anything could Anyone can leave at any point in time throughout the season, which is unprecedented. We're making a, a film about that. I'm working on helping And your coach pr- at the time produce. is
1: the coach for the Houston Texans right now. Yeah, What's his name, O'Brien? Coach
0: Bill O'Brien. Um, he's now the head coach at Houston Texans. And uh, I'm going to probably be doing an in- uh, internship with him, doing some coaching this summer. Oh, no uh, to see. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean, I get, cause just because I don't know exactly what I'm going to do. And, that, and, again, that comes with the, like we talked about young kids, I, you know, I wanted to spend a year away from the game of football and, and see what else is out there and explore some other opportunities. Um, and but it's so, smart
1: because I think the hardest things guys have, um, just in my experience, a lot of baseball players, major league guys, when they retire, they have a hard time finding who they were outside of the game. So, <laughs> and I'm
0: doing the same thing. Yeah. I'm, this is part of my exploration process because I didn't know. I mean, you're mentally conditioned at a young age. Uh, And throughout your career and you identify to how you play the game. That's who you are. Right. Right. And you got to be stoic and you got to play the next play and you got to just not push all these feelings and just ignore them. And now when you get out of the game, you know, how do you feel? What makes you happy? Well, I don't know, (laughs) you know, all those decisions were made for you. They're built in. So now, uh, you know, it's it's been an enriching uh, process going through that. But that's again, that's where I'm at in my process in my career and everybody's at a different point so you trying to compare and contrast it's all about just taking people you know taking the things that are good and all the people that you learn about and read about or, or spend time around you know I'm learning a lot from Brent just talking with him to just today I mean the last we we met uh, a week ago and we, you know, we sat for two hours and picking his brain on just little things and he's doing the same with me it's all about being curious and just it's a constant learning you want to be a lifelong learner that's what it's all about and being well rounded yeah
1: the cool thing was. Um uh, Trevor Rosenthal, he, we, we were talking and Max Scherzer, who's a freaking stud pitcher for the nationals was talking, he, he, he was telling me how these minor leaguers were come up to him going, Hey, like, like, what do I need to do? Like, like, you know, just like you were doing, like, you know, here's somebody who I want to be like, like, tell me, give me advice. You know, the guy I look up to. And he said, never stop learning. Like, that was the coolest thing. Like, you know, it's probably cliche. But it's really relevant,
0: yeah, it's not cliche yeah. if it's true. That's right, my exactly. motto. and if yeah. you, and if you're genuinely curious, look if, if there's a rookie that walked in the room and he had it all figured out I'm not helping him yeah. why would I help him? If there's a guy in there' that's, that's humble that shows me he wants to work and genuinely wants to get better, I will go out of my way for that kid if I'm a, you know, as a veteran I, I, w- I would and I still do I still call guys and I'm like, hey, this is what i'm seeing you know and i'm not trying to be some helicopter you know ex guy but he's a friend you know that's yeah and so as a young player if you you know approach older veteran players like that or even whatever level you know if you're humble about it, you you genuinely want to work and get better those people will on the whole tend to want to help you and they will so i would i would encourage everybody to do that
1: yeah that was pretty awesome man so if y'all have any questions um you can reach out to me or post them here i'll try to respond Hopefully, uh, we caught Michael in between his career from wherever he's going now. Hopefully, if you get too big, don't forget about us. Right? And uh, maybe we
0: can have you back in the future. That was awesome. Anytime, hey man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate that. That was cool. Thank you.